to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in the space. Welcome, everyone, to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. We're at Ignite with a live recording with Jeremy, as well as our guests, Gina Arenas and Mark Stafford. How you doing, Jeremy? Good, man. It's um, already kind of near the end of day one, and um, seeing 30,000 people walking around is getting tiring already. Dodging everybody's what you mean, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. everyone's got their heads down in their in their phones, so it's kind of terrifying that you're going to get run into. Well, me being an old man, I yell at them when I say that. Hey, look <laughs> up. You're going to run into somebody, and then, yeah. <laughs> I get funny looks. But, but it's really to good to see everybody and catch yes, up. Yes. Um, yesterday was a long day with the side session, as we're calling it, with a lot of the old friends. It was great to see. So yeah, it's always great. Part of the furniture, SharePoint MVPs. Um, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, think that's, I think you're calling me old again, but I, I'm wow. okay with it. <laughs> so how are you uh, make doing? Do you all set for your, se- your session? Uh, I will say yes in front of Ina because she's my co-presenter. <laughs> But uh, all the demos are working. I keep going back and checking them like every half hour just to make yeah. sure there's nothing kooky with them. But um, I'm looking forward to kind of showcasing with you know all the new stuff. And um, I guess we should just jump straight into it and get these guys on there. That'd be great. Uh, That'd be great. Um, yeah. So uh, Yina, thank you for coming on the show. Absolutely. You've been thank on you before with me. previous hosts, yes. Richard and Andrew. But that's been a while. Probably, probably around yeah. a year. I guess we, we used to do them for every conference, right? So for those of you. That don't know Yina, and I'll laugh because Yina's both both of you. Microsoft Graph keynote entrepreneur established <laughs> dominates every demo <laughs> on stage. But um, who are you? Where are you from? Um, so I'm from Colombia, and uh, I've been working at Microsoft for the last eight years. All of those in developer platform. I started in the SharePoint developer team, doing the REST APIs for SharePoint and bringing the Auth 2.0 and all of the consent model. And then I did uh, the same for all of the Office 365 services. This was, uh, what, around six years ago, we started consolidating a whole bunch of different services, bringing uh, standards around the APIs, around how we delegate access to data, bringing the consent uh, flows, allowing developers to discover the endpoints, especially in SharePoint, because we have uh, funky URLs that... <laughs> You know, it's hard per user, per, per customer URL. So for the developers to figure out where the API endpoints are, they used to rely on putting text boxes on their applications and asking the user, please copy paste here, yeah. your, your SharePoint URL. So I stood up a service that is called the Discovery Service. And after that, um, started working on this concept of unifying APIs across the company. So worked with, I don't know, today is like more than 24 different product teams that bring in APIs into what we call Microsoft Graph. And uh, it's been a lot of, it's been a big journey to take these teams to align in their priorities, to agree that, you know, doing this, all of these work for developer experiences is worth it. And uh, we've been in this, in, in this journey over the last four years of like folding all of these APIs, bringing them together, reworking them, working our consent models and all of that into what we know today as the Microsoft Graph. And so as I've got you on the show, how do you officially pronounce your name? My Officially pronounce yeah. my name? You say it correctly, Yina. See, okay, so everyone listening that keeps telling me I'm pronouncing it wrong, 
My boss has just told me it's Yina. Yina. That's the legacy of 100 shows mispronouncing your host's name when it was Richard. (laughs) True. That was on purpose. (laughs) And still is. To the point now where I do it without even realizing it. Well, the one that I, you know, so my last name is Arenas. Right, but in in English, so sometimes sometimes people pronounce it arenas, and I was like, ah, oh, that's fine, whatever. You can live with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm and okay. and Mark, hello, hello. <laughs> so, what part of the world in Microsoft have you been in? How long have you been there? Well, I joined Microsoft almost as long ago as Zena. I joined seven years ago. Um, I have been in the Redmond area for four of those years, and in China for three of those years. Oh wow! Uh-huh. Yeah. I did not know that. So, do you speak Chinese? A little bit. Okay. You're like my dad, where he lived in Spain for seven years and basically spoke by pointing and shouting louder in English. <laughs> louder. <laughs> yeah. Louder and louder. Poor people. Like, dad, that's not Spanish. Yeah. yeah no, I, I mean, I can get around in a taxi, order in a restaurant, stuff like that, but just embarrassed myself. I remember when I was there because I used to work for Avpoint and we went in this restaurant and there was literally just symbols. Yeah. And I'm pointing and he was like, I'm like, okay, that chicken. <laughs> and then I point to the next one. He's like, woof, woof. And I looked with this horrified face and then he laughed. He's like, no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> so for the rest of the trip, I took one of the Chinese developers with me to make sure I didn't die of food poisoning. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will say there were a set of restaurants with dried animal carcasses outside the restaurant. Yeah. And those were the restaurants that we avoided. Uh, I love the food there. I love China. Yeah, most and, of the food is really, really good. Yeah. And so what area of Microsoft were you working in in those two parts? So most of my time at Microsoft, I've worked on REST APIs in some way, shape, or fashion. So my first year, I actually worked on Entity Framework, and then I switched over to the OData team. Uh, That was what took me to China in the first place. Spent three years working on OData there and got involved in the Microsoft REST API guidelines. And sort of tangentially with Microsoft Graph, came back to the US and then officially joined the we brought Microsoft him over. Graph yeah. team. Yeah. We just converted him. So what was using OData back then for you to be able to define those specs? Uh, mo- most, most of our products, right? So if you go yeah. look at SharePoint or Dynamics or any one of a number of products, a lot of them for their, their protocol are using OData because we have this commitment to open interoperability, right? We've yeah. got the o- OIPI initiative. And so many of our products are speaking OData because that is publicly documented. Cool. And were you part of the the team that built the OData libraries that developers could do to yep. on top of their stuff? Yep. Nice. Yeah. I thought that was great. Never got people on board using it because yep. lazy, I guess, but that's interesting stuff. Yeah. And I want to go back to that discovery service because I remember seeing that. I thought it was fantastic and I wanted to extend it and put my internal URLs in there. And I got the nod. Yeah, that's a good idea. And then six months later, it was gone. Yeah. Well, because we. we so you owe me a discovery service someday. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. Because we need a discovery before graph, right? Like now yeah. that you had graph, then you don't need yeah. to it's do any discovery. So I, well, I understand, but that's not right? what I want. Well, well, this is our typical I'm customer. Sorry. Right? I'm sorry, Paul. <laughs> Playing the role of customer today. Yes. <laughs> but, but ironically, now it's graph doing the discovery, and we yes, it's all underneath that. the yes. covers. Yes. Right? Yes. No, so, and that part's great. I actually had to write. Some code in the inside of a bot where I needed to access SharePoint, and and it's uh, perfectly reasonable. And I'll just make a call and get the SharePoint URL for the current user. Super simple. So using the graph. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, exactly. And so, so the question we always ask is, how did you get into this crazy world of technology? Oh, um, so I I wanted to study medicine for my entire childhood. I will operate on my dolls and stuff like that, um, amputate legs and, <laughs> and yeah, cut heads and whatever. And then by the time that I was graduating, 
So I always, I always did very good at math and physics and things like that. And by the time that I was graduating, this was, there was this huge um, change in law in my country. And when it comes to, I'm from Colombia, when it comes to like how long does it take for a professional in medicine to be actually be able to, you know, start working and stuff like cut, that. Cut it's off like, real people's heads. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. To be able to do that with real people instead of dolls. And um, and that taught, you know, I probably have to think about other options. And, and then I got into engineering and I loved it. And, you know, it was one of those things where uh, I just started to get into computers and math and physics and science. And, and I just got into it. So my undergrad, I did in electric engineering. And then... Wow. Uh, I graduated from like I was a, maybe three girls out in a class of fifty-seven, oh. and um, we, we gotta fix that. Yeah, yeah, that's one of those things where it keeps coming and and it keeps being like that. Not keeps coming, keeps being like that, and it's it's um, you know not a not an ideal situation. But anyway, so that's my story. So I, I that's my I did my undergrad in that, and the, then I did a master's in computer engineering, and I started working for Microsoft. Yeah, well, I must say, like with people like yourself in the roles that you're in that are like public facing so that people have people to aspire and look up to. Like for me having a daughter, like that's someone I would be like, Yina's done it. Like you've really kind of pushed it and gone really far. Yeah. And it, you know, there's lots of those examples there this week. There are tons. And, and then I think we just need more and more of those. People, so that people don't believe. realize. For Pete's sake, you inspire me, right? Oh, yeah. that's cute. Thank yeah. you. No, there are tons of examples. I was just like a month ago, I was in Colombia giving a keynote for a conference called Latinity which is similar to what uh, we do here in America for Grace Hopper Conference, which is a conference for women in technology. Mm -hmm. And I was just inspired to see the new generation of, of women coming up and how smart they are and how many, uh, you know, how much talent there is, right? Mm -hmm. Like we usually think about like women in technology and the diversity, um, the pipeline and all of that. But it's just like we, we need to think about the human aspect of it and how much talent is coming and like the opportunities that they are, they're, we need to like open up for for all of these um, set of women that are coming behind us. And yes, I agree. There's when when you see someone up and then you see a role model and then you see that the, you know someone else has has done it and has gone through this journey. And and actually, it's a great field to be in, right? Like technology is is an absolutely great field and uh, to be part of. Like we're shaping the world, and it's always changing. Yeah, you got to constantly keep up. Yeah, it's true. How about yourself, Mark? Were you chopping heads off when you were a kid I, I was, <laughs> Medicine was about the lowest <laughs> on my priority list for, for things to go after. No, um, ah, geez. Uh, we got a computer when I was pretty young. Um, and I remember my dad saying way back in the day that you should go into computers. And I just thought that seems like a terrible idea. I thought they were so boring, had zero interest in them. And then I went and studied actuarial science. Which is lots of numbers about people dying and getting their heads cut off and so on and so forth. So I could go crunch those numbers. And then I realized that that was utterly depressing. And so I went on this soul-searching uh, epic quest of multiple years and wound up working at just a local school district somewhere. They had some needs for software and I happened to be adept at computers. And so I'm like, well, I'll teach myself how to write a couple programs. And then I realized I really like this. I bet there's a proper way to do this. And so I went back to school again and got another degree in computer science and the rest is history. Wow. I just have to say that I usually hear Mark's story. So we work together a lot. 
And I always think he always has these stories about like how many years passed and he worked in this area and then this other area and then he lived in this place of the <laughs> world and then the other one. And I'm starting to wonder, like he how looks old. like pretty young. <laughs> how old I am. Right? <laughs> my shock was when he told me how many kids you had and then he yes. fell off my chair doing yes. the math on that one and, too. Yeah. I have yeah. five children. He's yes. Benjamin Button. Is that the right way to say it? <laughs> <laughs> he looks really young, right? Like, and he's been living all over the world and having <laughs> all you. of these different experiences. It has been an adventure. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the obviously, we've talked about the Microsoft Graph has brought together these products. What was the idea around the graph? Why did it start? Who, who, who was in the room and said we should do something similar? So, it, it all started with a bunch of, I would say, a handful of people that were very passionate about developer experience. And at Microsoft, we have all of these product teams building this uh, user-facing products that rely on partner ecosystems, right? Like if you look at SharePoint, Azure Active Directory, Exchange, there are end-user products, but they have huge ecosystems around them that help customers customize these services for their specific needs on the on the business. And there were a few of us... Um, you know, Dan Kershaw, Dmitry Bugachev, uh, Rob Howard, um, myself, who started to think about like this, this experience that developers were having. It was like a brain surgery to integrate with the services. And especially as we move to the cloud, because before when the services were deployed on-prem, they usually had like the SharePoint guy that will do all of the SharePoint things and the Exchange guy that will do all of the Exchange things. But as we moved to the cloud, it, that those roles started to merge, right? Like, and it was like an eighty person and a developer, like integrating with all of these experiences, and even even on the experiences themselves. Like, if you look at groups, you know, it's it has the membership and the directory, and it has the content in SharePoint, and it has the com- the email and the messages in, in Exchange. So all of these needed for a more consolidated experience on how to access that data. So we started to work on improving that developer experience and how to get uh, easier and easier for a developer that was integrating with data across multiple services to be able to get uh, to it. I would have to say, though, back at the time, I, I, there, I can't think there were too many people outside of Microsoft who thought they'd wanted to integrate those services. There was Companies were happy with the, the SharePoint person or the email person. So that, that's kind of a, a tribute to, the, to that group of people in the room to figure this is something that's going to be helpful. And and the whole groups example, you think I is only possible because of the work that you did to yeah. build the graph, right? That certainly wouldn't have been something you want to start fresh and try to turn the ship on. So it's really, uh, I, I find it, it somewhat fascinating to to think people have thought that far ahead and could think through and get on that. That's that's pretty nice. And one of the things that like is more about like how the cookies made in the background is obviously myself and Yina are in one org and then Mark you're in the identity org and yep. there's this kind of like marriage between the two of how the graph works together as an auth layer and a kind of the API layer. Do you want to explain a little bit more about that because there's this whole notion of a kind of like how the graph proxies all those different sure. REST APIs underneath. Just I'll, I'll make a comment before that just to give a little bit of context which is there are like around 120,000 employees at Microsoft probably 60,000 working on product and uh, like our teams are in entirely in different places in the company. Mm-hmm. Like our first common manager is Satya Nadella. Wow. Right. Like that's how like different places in the organization. And that happens with a lot of the teams that we work on graph. Like it's, right. it's, Many, it's, many it's, different places. It's not places. just office and identity. It's, it's yeah. like relationship building across all the different product teams. It which is, is, which many, is one of the best parts about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, well, without getting into how all the sausage is made, um, <laughs> it's it's easiest to describe Microsoft Graph as an API gateway, right? So if you go out and Google API gateway, then you'll find that there's a bunch of ways to mask all the internal things that are happening from external customers. And it's really great to pursue a microservices architecture and build things in really small componentized fashions because the reality is that, that a service is detailed to a particular team, right? And so even within Outlook, right, there's mail and there's calendar. And even within mail, there's sub-teams sub within there that support different APIs. And so Microsoft Graph is really that, that place where we hide all those internal complexities from customers. And we work to build the bridges between the different services. So, you know, speaking to the point of, like, why, why would you need to go across multiple services? Even, even the most simplistic case of logging into an, an application and seeing somebody's name and their photo and then just a basic list of their tasks or their calendar or something along those lines. That's still consuming information from multiple services. And so what we do behind the scenes is we field all those requests at Microsoft Graph, and we do all the hard work of figuring out where does that request actually need to go. And sometimes it needs to go multiple places. So um, like if you go access the me identity, right? You go graph.microsoft.com, WAC v1, WAC me, then that's actually sending a request to identity and it's also sending a request to SharePoint to get the About Me field and so on and so forth, right? So, yeah, so Microsoft Graph brings it all together through like an API gateway pattern. Mm -hmm. And then I guess with that, like the, the different workloads, was, there, was it because the first guys and girls on the... Yeah, don't the forget about aggregator. me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting deaf eyes right now because <laughs> Australian guys means everybody. Where in America, guys seems to specifically no, mean I'm just male. <laughs> I think the word looking for is all y'all. Y'all. <laughs> y'all. Yeah, when you all were. Says the Yankee. We'll, we'll credit Mary Lee from our point for that one too. Um, so when you're all doing that, the it was kind of mail calendar contacts and files at first. So were yeah. they kind of part of the original fellowship of the graph that meant that they were the first ones to come on board or did was it actively discussed, hey, these are going to be the most popular, so we need to go get them first? Uh, we, we, because we, I think it was a, a little bit on where we were and, and the different set of products that were working together to to already bring certain set of standards for those products. Like the first thing that we did was we had, all APIs all over the place, right? Like we had some products with PowerShell-based commandlets, and that's it. Uh, other products with SOAP-based APIs. Other products are starting to Looking see... Looking at you, SharePoint. What, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, some of them, like all of those ASMX services, right? Yeah. Like these SOAP-based APIs, all of these, oh, some products starting to look into REST. So we started to like look into standardizing around um, the REST framework uh, for, for these services. And that, one thing led to another. So that's why we started with things that were coming from SharePoint, uh, Azure Active Directory and Exchange as the core services that are part of Office 365 was, like as I mentioned, part of our transition from on-premises services into the cloud as well, right? And then um, from an auth perspective, well, those were all using Azure Active Directory, but what was the main driver of going with AAD and personal was that just a was there a demand for that upfront or was that something you guys kind of visionary thought that was the right thing to do too yeah well uh, Azure Active Directory is the identity provider for Microsoft so that was the place where we were going to like invest on creating all of these authorization technologies right and it, because it all starts with the identity of the user right and uh, the user is the one who's delegating whether the user or the administrator, the ones that are uh, owners of their data and delegating access to that uh, data. 
So that's like, it was just the natural place for it to be. Mm-hmm. So that, of course, begs the question for me is there was a recent announcement about uh, MSAL V2, I think is what's called, is now yep. in preview. Yeah. Yep. And so have you got any feedback on that? Or is there anything being announced here this week, I would hope? Uh, maybe it's too uh, too soon, are, but... Uh, there are things being announced this week, yes. Um, <laughs> and, and we and we continue the slow march towards full GA for, for all of the MSAL V2 stuff. But, uh, but yeah, um, I mean, that's part of my larger team. And uh, we are working very aggressively on MSAL V2. Uh, what's being announced this week is that MSL V2 JS is available for people to use. Um, and we are working towards GAs of all of our different MSL libraries in the first quarter of the coming year. And and so then it, the, that will be the name going forward, I guess, then, right? That's right. Retiring right. The, the old That's one right. that, that people had. And then is the... The, the style of coding was a bit different between the two. Uh, I think MSAL had more of the, the fluent variety is, yeah, of C-sharp. Is yeah, that the, so, the standard going forward? Or? Yeah, so in, in particular, MSAL has a much fuller feature set, right? It's supporting converged applications, and, and it's able to support a lot of the, the newer things that we've brought into uh, the Microsoft Identity stack. And so in particular, things like MFA and, and so on and so forth are much easier with MSAL than they were with ADOL. And that's the one, the one that supports B2B and B2C. That's right. Actions. That's right. Yeah. And, and that's another good aspect of it, right? So Adol was, was, you know, it has Active Directory in the name, <laughs> right? Um, whereas, you know, we're taking a broader vision of the Microsoft Identity Platform, and that includes things beyond just Active Directory. And I think there is some confusion, and we've even had it on the booth today, worth clarifying this notion of the, the, the preview is for the actual SDKs, the service under the covers, is generally available. Yeah, that's right. And and so, I mean, the, the service has been available for a while. Yeah. Um, the SDKs continue to make progress. Uh, in particular, they'll be talking a lot about the J- the JavaScript version of the SDK here at the conference, but they'll be talking about .NET is going to be close to follow. And then mobile's a little bit further out, but again, targeting GA of all the, all the different libraries in the first quarter of 2019. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that JS then getting the more natural support for single page apps. I'm guessing, right? The, That's the, right, but it's yeah. not just single page apps. Actually, we 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 had quite a detailed conversation <laughs> inside of Microsoft, right? So so um, I was arguing quite vehemently to be, co- be calling this browser based apps, right? Because single single page yeah. apps are are a very notable subset of browser based apps, but it will work for theoretically any browser based app, mm-hmm. right? Which is good. Yeah, and even things like Cordova and PWA and yep. those kind of things as well. And then um, from the announcements, I think the easiest way to do this, because otherwise we could be here for hours on all of the things we're talking about, is, Yina, what is your single most favorite thing? And in two minutes, describe what it is. Oh. And there's a reason I put a limit on, you know. There, there was a... I'm, t- I'm timing <laughs> you. <laughs> I, you. You just asked that question and it reminded me once I was making a presentation to one of my VPs. And I was asking, and I was telling him of all of the features that we had on the pipeline, and he was like, "You have to pick." And he's like, "You're asking me to pick among my children, right?" <laughs> and I was like, "This is hard." <laughs> like, which which one is your favorite? Um, which one do you think will be best received by the community oh, and the, 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 the customers? Well, I think that the I'll mention one thing, which is like I'm incredibly proud of all the progress that the, all the teams that participate in Microsoft Graph are constantly doing. Like we're constantly shipping new features and adding more and more functionality to developers, whether it is on the data sets that we have available in the graph or in the capabilities. What's a, what's a data set? So look, all of the different resources, right? Like, thank you for asking that question. So whether it is data coming from uh, Exchange, uh, mail, calendar, contacts, tasks from SharePoint, uh, we have, uh, you know, documents, we have now pages, list views, lists, sites, uh, 
we, whether it is from Teams, whether it is from Azure Active Directory, Excel, OneNote, Planner. We now have Dynamics in the graph as well. So that's one thing that we're announcing at Ignite. There's a ton, a ton of data sets that are available in the graph coming from all of these different places at Microsoft and helping developers that are building these integrations to just like get it done very easily, right? Like you integrate with one service and you immediately have done all of the paving to integrate with other services because of all the work that we've done around standardizing APIs, standardizing auth, making sure that like the same patterns that we use to build an API for a product are used all over and all over again across all of the different products. So that's that just con- continues to go on and makes me incredibly proud. And you're making me, you're, you're making the face because it's like, what? I think it's already two minutes, and you haven't said it. Or what is your favorite? That was a really motherly answer. Uh, well, <laughs> I love all my children equally. I love all my children. That's true. Um, and then no, but really, I think who's your favorite? The, the, <laughs> I was gonna go. I was gonna get there. I think that the one that I'm picking right now for Ignite is the ability that we are announcing for with. I have to say I'm not a fan of the name. Um, so it's Microsoft Graph Data that's Connect. Now. Yeah, that's public. <laughs> Sorry. Twitter's going to go wild. <laughs> uh, it's Microsoft Graph Data Connect. But in a nutshell, what it is, is uh, so we have, Microsoft Graph has been the API for real-time applications, right? Like So every time that you want to build and get access to the customer's data, uh, you call the API and you get all of that information, right? Like whether it is all of these different data sets that we were talking about. But now, like, if you want to do, like, if you want to take advantage of all of these new technologies that are coming up around machine learning and AI and draw insights from the information that, it, that is happening within your organization, you need a different type of processing, right? Like, you need to be able to access that data at bulk. So what we've been doing is we've created a pipeline between Microsoft Graph and Azure Data Lake that uh, takes the data from Microsoft Graph and puts it into Data Lake so that you can use all of the Azure tooling to analyze this information. And what data is that? Is every message, every user, every file? It is. Uh, we're starting with messages, so mail, contact, mail, calendar, and contacts. Those those are the three main data sets that are available today that you can and use move. objects and users. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, users, mail, calendar, and contact, and then you can move that data into Data Lake, and then you can do post processing of that data, and then you know start figuring out things. Like one one of the use cases was how effective are the trainings that your, your employees are taking. Right? Like you can see patterns in, in communication change after they've done a certain training and analyze that with, uh, with this new product, right? So I think that will be the one that I'll pick for this time around. And, and you're not I happy with the two name. Minutes. <laughs> well, we can, I can talk about <laughs> I all like of the I goodness. I prod, but maybe <laughs> not. <laughs> let's, just re-brand, let's just rebrand it. I mean, we're on a podcast. We, we can pick a new name. We can, we can brainstorm public. a new name and re-announce it. No, I just That'll have to really say, exciting. like, you know, People that are very smart at naming are have been, I've been on that working side, on that. So I'm not super hard. Yeah, and there's all these rules and legal things. We could tack on an R2 or SP4. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> you can pretend that it's easy, but it's not. Like it's it's a lot of work to yeah. come up with a name of a product, and, and, it, it's, and it's even harder to please everybody. Exactly. Yeah. So just, and this I'm just time around, they didn't please you. You know. Yeah, I'm just gonna well, go with it. Well, ironically, as long as, long as we're talking about naming and rat holing. <laughs> Microsoft Graph, right? Like, I mean, we've... we've that's true. Yeah. 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 Even that one. Graph okay. has its own set of problems. Park exactly. that, because oh, okay. okay. that's on something I want to bring up on. What's your favorite feature? 
Uh, am I allowed this, to dodge this the, week's favorite feature? Am, am I allowed to dodge the question too? Um, well, I said this earlier <laughs> in a customer session. Like, I, I'm I'm glad to have new APIs, and there are new APIs that we're announcing, or the APIs that are maturing to V1, like the security graph, but and the team um, stuff. You've just the, given yeah, four yeah. answers within thirty seconds there, yeah, so the you're stuff. beating See, me already. Uh, my velocity is <laughs> amazing. That's awesome. Congratulations, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I said earlier today is is really what I meant, right? Like for me, it's it's not about seeing the new stuff; it's about seeing the continued progress on the existing stuff. And so we continue to close holes and gaps and fill in all the chinks between the bricks that that are still out there. So. Teams is bringing in lots of new API service. We're, we're continuing to close the parity gaps in AAD and SharePoint and so on and so forth. And frankly, like to me, that is the really exciting thing because it's when the applications become really meaty and useful to actual developers. And so the whole me thing is about me as in like me, my calendar, yes. my emails. There are things that we introduced this time around, whether it be the alert stuff, the security system, which we were on the podcast last week with Sarah. Yeah and Jason, um, or Dynamics Financials, which is more around yeah. companies as a construct than it is about me. Yeah. Um, how do you see that progressing with the growth further? That's a good question. I mean, we've always aspired to more than just me. Um, I mean, and we have a history of this as well, right? So we've got all the Intune devices are out there and managing of Intune policies and things like that. I'm doing a demo where I raise Yuna's phone tomorrow on stage. Mm. Excellent. Yeah, we've been trying. Um, <laughs> she seems super infused. <laughs> well, I mean, he's like, he, you know, this is, he's like, oh, do you want to actually do this demo where we just wipe out your phone? And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> It'll be fun. So, so I mean, while, while it is interesting to talk about user-centric type things, the fact of the matter is that in all of our environments, there are lots of non-user-centric things as well, and those will continue to play a key role in, inside of Microsoft. Browser. You know, and I think that can be somewhat important because a lot of times... I'll, I'll talk to some corporate developers, enterprise developers, and, and they don't think in terms of personal productivity as, off, as much as Microsoft does. So having this organizational mindset is, may be more beneficial to them. I mean, this just occurred to me now, so it's not a very well thought out thought, but I, I think there could be some value in how Microsoft sets that example of corporate data sets or organizational data sets and how, what we can build on top of those. So yeah. I think there's some opportunity there. And that, and that pivots on the graph thing, right? So it was called the graph and... Some people are definitely critical of, well, it's not really a, a graph, sure. but I, I do think with what we, how we demo it, it is. But what's, uh, maybe Yina first, like what's your opinion on, is it or isn't it a graph? I think it is, and it has opportunities to become more of it. Like if you think about how we're stitching data from different services and allowing you to navigate from different set of resources into the other, right? Like the fact that I can start with a user and then go to like what are the files of that user and then go to like who's the last person who modified that file and look at their profile information. That's a graph connection, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's also APIs that we have in there that uh, gives us connection between people that are inferred based on their activity. So like I can go and see what are the documents that are uh, been trending around you or like, you know, what is the people in your working group? Like if you query mine, you'll, you'll get Mark. And like I was saying a minute, well, not a minute, maybe 20 minutes ago, <laughs> We, we, our first common manager is Satya Nadella, right? Like, so it's, it, it just does it by the fact that we work together a lot. And um, so that is, it's relationships in between nodes and edges. So I'll call that a graph. What about yourself? Yeah, so I think, I think a lot of the misconceptions come in in terms of graph databases and people mm -hmm. look at this and they expect, well, I can take the graph query language that I'm use, used to, like Cypher or Gremlin, Gremlin or yeah. something along those lines. 
and and I can throw that at Microsoft Graph, but that's like it is a graph in the sense that it is an object graph, like Eno is pointing out. It's not a graph database per se. Um, and then one other point of confusion that comes in is GraphQL, which is the mm. the API style. I guess I guess is best to say they do have a spec around it. So and and it's published as an open standard, but this is produced by Facebook. Um, also, not to be conflated with Microsoft Graph, we may support at some point in time a GraphQL endpoint. We actually had a prototype project. Um, it's out there in GitHub. And yep. frankly, like if there's if there's interest, then tweet at us, and and we're happy to put more resources there. That that, that could be a whole type of show on its own discussing the o data and, and the GraphQL yeah. stuff like I that. Think we're so. going to park that because I've already asked Mark to come back on to talk that, about the stack. That's uh, that would be it would be terrific. And then we'll bring him back in to talk about identity, and then you'll never get me to shut up. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then so then the other aspect of this is if you were to pick one thing that you think's missing right now, this is really on the spot. What would it be? What would you go after, whether it was a service or whether it was a feature that you just oh, really, really want that you I just keep one. hearing? Okay. I have one, which is one that I've wanted to have in the graph since the very early days and still not there, which is presence. Yeah. Uh, presence, like at the time it was a Skype and now from Teams and I we continue to like figure out like how are we going to get presence into the graph? That's my... The, you know, the big one. Yeah. Because like it means thorn. it always goes back to that kind of like, well, you can sign into an app and see their profile photo and their name, but but now you're you just don't, asking don't people to be pulled the graph from my presence continuously. And it was actually no, 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 Hold that thought. Hold that thought. <laughs> yeah. till we get to my, we're, we're, my... We'll do it the right way. <laughs> yeah, and and actually, funny enough, uh, Steve, who is your boss, my skip, asked me that in my interview loop. Coming back was like, how would you build that presence service? And because he built it for Link, I don't know if you know mm -hmm. that. And uh, it was really incredible because he talked through like all the decisions and the, the paths they went down and how they had to kind of step back and go in a different approach. And yeah. I should really get him on to talk about that because it was super presence interesting. Presence is the one that okay, just like, yeah. And we're not announcing that. That's, we're uh, not, that's unfortunately. That's Nirvana. We are announcing the calling APIs though, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So you can, uh, there's a demo with an instant bot where um, a bot can bring all of us and ring us and join us into a team cool which is really cool for apis which is nice what was yours or so to come back to the comment about polling uh the thing that i would like to see is for us to continue to innovate in api style and in in particular being able to push things out right so we right. support we support some types of notifications today like webhooks and um and a different completely different flavor of notification that is also being announced here uh, at, at Ignite, but being able in real time to be able to push to things like WebSockets and so on and so forth to really keep an app, application very much up to date as opposed to having to follow the poll. Yeah, well, there is an Azure SignalR service now, right? Sure, yeah. there is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and then there's Socket.io and there's a hundred yeah. different yeah. patterns for doing this sort of thing. So it's just a, it's a modality that we should introduce into so Microsoft we'll, we'll put them together. There you, go. Like a, there you go. WebSockets or SignalR so, support. So and then. What's, your, what's your next thing to put in the graph? <laughs> The documentation <laughs> onto docs.microsoft.com. Jeremy has been a little bit frustrated. Coca-Cola. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I, I, oh, that's a good one. I would probably say for the identity library and the graph SDKs to be as one so that our getting started experience is even more streamlined than it already is. Wow. That's ambitious. Um, and uh, it's something that we hear so a lot actually, here. Yeah, we're actually... Now that you know, hired Daryl Miller, who yeah. we also have to get on the show, 
Yeah. Uh, that's going to happen to Rizzo Reality soon, which is nice. 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 Your podcast calendar is now full through 2020. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it was getting low, so we had to talk about that later. <laughs> so. And then um, in terms of like where people will go to get started and um, what's your favorite way to demo it if you, uh, both to a developer but to a business person? So the place to get started is graph.microsoft.com. Yeah, you will find the website with all of the information about the API, our documentation. Uh, the way that I talk to it to developers is, well, I start with Graph Explorer. I think it's easy to just go and make some queries, get back the response, see how you know easy you get plain JSON that you can then use and manipulate in your code uh, very easily. That's all of the different set of uh, APIs that are exposed there and just toggling to the samples, I think is, a, is an easy entry door. Then we have a set of quick starts. We're very familiar with those quick starts, Jeremy. I am. Um, that we're, <laughs> we have in the different platforms. And I think that's a, it's a good way to get started if you already have an idea. So I'm a Java developer and I just want to see this thing being like, you know, a Java project that I can just go and start and get running with. So those are the, the go-to places for, for developers. For more of the, I will say, BDM, the business decision maker conversation, um, the, I start with the product. The product that you're integrating with and, uh, and the set of scenarios that you want to achieve, right? Like it's, it's a different set of conversations that we have with someone that is trying to make a decision about integrating with our platform versus someone that is already uh, sold into our platform trying to see how to get started. Okay, and now she's probably you're going to give the same answer. I'm going to give you a decurlier question. Oh no, no, can I can I add? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I I also think it's important to focus the business decision maker on the fact that they're storing their data with Microsoft, right? Like our mm -hmm. applications are one interface into that particular set of data, but like they can create much more interesting interfaces to that to that data. Um, and then the uh, the developer persona thing. I wanted to add add also a two cents there. Like I get so bored giving talks <laughs> because like we, especially at Ignite, right? Like you sit through talks all day long, right? Talk after talk, after talk, after talk. And so one of the things that I've done in smaller venues where I can control the, the venue a little bit more is I'll talk for 45 minutes and then we'll give people 15 minutes worth of exercises to do. And so one thing that people can do right now is go to AKAMS graph 101 exercises, AKAMS graph 101 exercises and they can actually try just a couple things right so it'll walk you literally through how do i how do i use graph explorer and what should i know about graph explorer and then the second exercise will walk you through postman and how do you set up postman to work with microsoft graph and fire off requests at at microsoft graph so sorry with all that said no, if you want to have fun with developers when you do the postman call omit the content type or the or header and it comes back with XML and it freaks them all out because they think they're in this modern <laughs> world and a nice angle bracket just throws them all off I find that amusing every single time what are these hieroglyphs <laughs> <laughs> so my question to you is if you meet someone in a bar or whatever oh boy. and they're non-technical how do you explain what you do what you build I haven't even figured out how to explain it to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I just tell her I'm a nerd. <laughs> That's the same story. thing I hear, but she says it to me, you're a nerd, right? <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I think that kind of comes back to, like, what do, you, what do you tell a business decision maker? Not that I'm meeting many of them in bars either, but <laughs> um, I, think, I think we have to make this around 
like every day we are producing data, right? You're sending emails, you're creating things in your calendar, you're building out your task list and so on and so forth. And you're leaving a footprint. And, you know, what Ina was talking about before with the insights and in, in who you work with, everything that you do in a workplace context has some sort of a footprint. And so how do you, how do you interact with that? How do you get more value out of that and get something back from it and, and build it into your own application? It would, probably still be completely lost, but assuming that that person has had a couple beers, then who cares? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I found success in combining both of you said kind of that, that uh, I work with a company and they've moved their mails in the cloud. They're in office three, six, five. And so now they have a web application and inevitably they got to log in twice because I have my cloud login and this other application login. So it starts out with a, well, let's put this use Azure Active Directory. I helped the client do a .NET to web form app into yeah. uh, the cloud login. But now that it's there, it's easy to say, well, you know, we're just going to put their picture, like you see in the mm-hmm. Office 365 to picture on the upper right. And they struggle through that or they use a quick start and get yeah. that. But you know what? Now that you have a picture and a name, the gateway drop. How do I do anything else? Well, you just change the URL and everything else just works. And yeah. you can, that's so to your point of, of that getting them started, that those exercises I think Hell, are a good idea. We have a new slogan the Microsoft graph. Once you stop, you can't pop. <laughs> once you pop, you can't stop. There you go. <laughs> We're still Pringles. You're not in marketing slogan. anymore, by the way. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's a hard thing to pull off. <laughs> the Band-Aid is still stuck a little bit. So um, how do people keep in touch with you guys? So, I don't know. Social media, I guess. Yeah, Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, that question came out of me. So, Mark, yeah. you said earlier I can tweet at you. How do they tweet at you? Yeah. Oh, to we're, wow. we're Where's not, the like, I just have to say, I'm not very good at social media. Yeah, well, neither am I. <laughs> Maybe that's, why we get along. Maybe that's why we get along. No, like my, my story is, or my excuse, I guess, is, you know, I was in China for, for three years, right? And right, it's all blocked. It's all, it's he was all, hiding under a rock while social media <laughs> happened in the world. It's all blocked there. In, in the social media that I can access, I can't read very well, right? And so, <laughs> and, and, and I came back to the U.S. right in the middle of the 2016 election and everything on social media was toxic. I, frankly, I don't know that Twitter was ever a positive place, but... But long story short, like I, I am terrible, yeah. terrible at social well, media. Well, I, I actually opened my You account. respond on Twitter? I do. Yeah. yeah, I do. But, you know, it's out of the love of your children. That's why you do <laughs> <laughs> So I think the answer to the question is at MS Social Graf. media. No, uh, I know oh, where you're going, Jeremy. Oh. And it's at Microsoft Graph. No, so my my hey, I Twitter didn't even account. Set that up. <laughs> yeah, it was a total Jer- setup. Jeremy's over here blinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what I was gonna say, yeah, at Ina underscore Arenas. Arenas. Mm-hmm. Okay, so access those, and then um, we are gonna get you on more podcasts coming forward. Definitely, you talking a lot more about the rest of data. Sounds good. And the layers on top of the graph just to kind of explain what's going on under the covers because I think people will be super interested in that. Yeah. We're going to get a bunch of PMs on to talk about their own services and we'll get you on to talk a bit more of your babies on the graph. Yeah. But oh, hopefully you don't babies. chop these heads off. Babies, uh, real babies and work babies. <laughs> real babies, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, he- and headless babies. <laughs> and headless babies. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a show. <laughs> well, Thanks all for listening. That certainly took a <laughs> turn for the worst. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. 
please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 